higher, further, faster, together. That's we should change the name of our podcast to that because that's pretty cool. But that for, is, uh, that right? is super cool. It's cool. For for now, we're just gonna go with Infinity Rewash, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm Andrew Fantasia. I do not have the word Marvel in my name yet. But you do, kind of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What's up, everybody? My name is Ryan J. Marvel, and tonight we have watched, we just got back, literally fresh from the movie theaters. We just saw the Marvels, um, and I gotta say, this is this this is going, I think this movie will forever be debated. I don't think there's a, <laughs> I think the audiences are gonna be pretty divided from even from our own group, we had a we had a control group ourselves for this very experiment, and mm-hmm. I can tell you that I felt like there was a, a big divide amongst the group. Interesting, interesting. I mean, amongst the group, yeah, I can see that, but I have I don't see this becoming divisive in a in a Last Jedi or Eternals kind of way. I don't no. I don't see it playing out that way. I feel like. This is a solid, good, fun movie. Not to jump ahead to our feelings already, but I think it's a solid, good, very fun movie. Uh, and there are haters out there. Just go on Twitter if you don't believe me. And they are going to hate everything about it because they want to. But yeah. other than that, there's there's nothing in here to really split people down the middle. Yeah, I. but that's the thing, though. This is this is one of those movies that live in the world, and we've talked about this a few times, various Marvel movies in, in the history of our podcast. Um, and this one lives in the world that either you, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. And it, it's not like, and again, it's like you said, it's not divisive in the sense of Eternals where you're left like people that will like just justify it to be good for the sake of good. No, this movie is like thoroughly entertaining, but... If you want to nitpick it, you're going to find things you're not going to like. It's just, but if you sit back and are entertained by it, then you're going to see yourself a good movie out of this. That's, that's essentially what this is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know really what to expect for the most part. Um, But I am, I walked away from this real happy with what I saw and just, I had such a good time with it. And I think that they they put out the first Marvel film in a while that is uh, just going to safely coast. I think that's the best phrase for it. It's gonna safely coast. A lot of people like to hate on Quantumania. Everybody seems to love Guardians 3, but this one I think is just gonna coast. It's gonna quietly do its thing. And cause that's the kind of movie it is too, really. It's just doing its own little thing in the pocket of the Marvel universe. Uh, what Darben got up to didn't really affect too much of anything else. Uh, it's just a solid self-contained adventure. And I think that's how it's going to present amongst the Marvel fandom community in a weird way. I don't know. I just feel like people are going to be like, yeah, that was a cool one. Or yeah, I didn't really love that one. And that's it. It's not going to be a conversation starter. Now this one, you know what though? <sighs> First of all, before we get deep into it, I do have to let our audience know that there will be spoilers. Oh, yeah. Some yeah, major that's right. spoilers will be had. Uh, overall, though, I could even argue the movie itself is not a spoiler. 
The movie itself is not. The story, I could, we could talk about the story and you'd be like, yeah, those are not really spoilers, you know, per se. But, but the ending, that's a big spoiler. <laughs> that, you're right, man. Nothing in the plot, nothing in the whole plot of Darben is doing bad stuff and we have to stop her. Yeah. Has any big turns where you'd be like, ooh, we can't let the audience know about that. Um, yeah. Everything spoilery happens after the fact, but not in a shoehorned way, really. Um, I And I keep doing this, but I have to give credit. I think the multiverse saga has had the best post-credit stuff so far. Uh, I have just loved everything, like the Shang-Chi post-credit scenes, the Eternals post-credit scenes, everything. Like, they're all so good, and they promise so much fun stuff. And this was no exception, but... All the stuff that has to do with the meat and potatoes of the story is very basic fun stuff that is not going to be a thing where you got to see it before the internet spoils it for you. Um, yeah. Except maybe one small but fun thing yeah. involving Which... round objects. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, really, though, yeah, really, there's no spoilers here. But I did want to say it and put it out there. But to be honest, I actually tried to verbal. I've, I've been trying to verbalize to Isabella on my way home what I think this feels like. And to me, you know, when you look at the MCU movies now and you start to look at the ones you love versus the ones you don't, this one to me feels like a comic book issue that you picked up in store. And it's just a one-off story uh that doesn't really have any big villains but it's fun and there's some there's some solid fun superhero moments um but in the end it's a self-contained issue and but the interesting part is it does do what the marvel formula does in terms of comic book issues is when they refer to something they'll they'll go back and kind of remind you what you need to know about that something before they interject it into the story which was really nice for me i really love that um, and then on top of that, uh, yeah, it just, it felt like a comic book issue. It, it kind of felt like a, a, I don't want to say a filler because it doesn't offer enough, but like it does, it, it's a filler in the sense it fills in a lot of, uh, missed, missed part, or fills in a lot of gaps that you wanted from older stuff filled in this movie. It literally is a sequel. It fits, yes. it fits between the beginning and the end, right? And it, it, it serves to continue on, as you say, coast, it coasts along. But that's what it felt to me. It literally felt like picking up an issue and getting some small plot points here and there. But overall, it's it's an isolated issue. It does, it's not offering any main villains or anything like that. No big characters here. But it, it has a fun story with the heroes that you want to just jump to the next page, see these big splashes of action sequences, and uh and yeah and then in the end you have that issue but this is not like your graphic novel where it's this huge overarching story that's gonna give you some big satisfaction at the end because i don't think he's gonna give you that if the only thing you're gonna walk away from was you had a good time picking up that issue and reading it that's what you're gonna walk away with that's a good way to put it i like that it's a good comic booky way to put it so you talked about how we don't have a big name villain and uh, here. So let's talk about Darben. Okay. She kicks off our movies. So let's talk about her. Uh, first of all, the the Hiddleston Ashton household is having quite a week. 
right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine living in that house right now. They're just like, darling, we're both on the screen. <laughs> I imagine that's how British people talk 24-7. Um, so Zawai Ashton plays this Lady Darben. Tell me, Ryan, about her, because just like with Jan Rog, I have no idea who I'm dealing with. And I have a follow-up question that's probably a dumb question. I don't say, this sounds like I'm complaining, like I'm nitpicking, I'm not. I'm genuinely like, I wanna know more about her. Why is she not blue? So not all Cree are blue. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean, that was probably racist. <laughs> I mean, technically it depends. Like, I mean, the comic book, comic book community would be like, no, Ryan, they're, they're all blue. <laughs> um, but, but I think, um, I think in Captain Marvel, the first one, not all Kree are blue, and I think it's because they're 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 more like an infiltrator type of uh, type of Kree. Like they're they're meant to go to different planets and kind of blend. Much That's like their Jude Law was a Kree, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm just the dumb dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they. I mean, in the MCU world, is not all Kree are, are blue skinned, but uh, I think it's because they. Uh, they have the ability to adapt much like the scroll do, but they only just change their skin color. They don't, they don't physically change shape or form like the scroll. Mm -hmm. uh, because Captain Marvel, uh, as you saw in the Earth's Mightiest Heroes, he had a special device that like made him blend uh, with humanity. So he looked human. Uh, but yeah, then once it's damaged, he turned back into the blue skin thing. So I, I feel like it's kind of a similar thing, but I think they just kind of, because you notice too that even though they're they have like kind of like a, uh, a skin tone, uh, they have more of a human skin tone. Um, their eyes are a different color. Yes. Yeah, she had very vivid eyes. So, all right, that makes sense. So, tell me about this lady. What's Darben's deal? So, so she. Uh, so it appears that. It, I don't want to give away, like, I don't want to jump to a certain plot point to explain how how she is, what she is, or what her her course is. Uh, but she seems to become the um, what are they what are they called? Oh my god, it's gonna bother me now. Uh, the accuser, the role of the accuser, right? And the accusers are these like old school zealots of the Kree Empire who who essentially are these like an extension of the Kree Empire. They enforce the will of the Kree Empire. Um, and uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, we get Ronan the Accuser. Uh, and that that role, essentially what the role of an accuser is, is they go to a planet and they judge it. And they judge it whether that that whether that they, you know, if whether they are subservient and if they are if they are deemed subservient, then the Kree will bring them into their culture as slaves. Um, or or if they are if they uh, if they're too uh, aggressive or you know more of an opposition or a um, what's the word an adversary, then then they are wiped out. Uh, <laughs> and they send in. And essentially, in the MCU, it seems like the accusers have quite a quite the power with their with their weapon. Uh, their universal weapon gives them a lot of power. It seems they. I don't think they explained it though. Um, but it seems like when Ronan got the power stone, that the hammers that they now carry are imbued with a little bit of that power because it's purple. It's a purple energy ah, that comes out. 
And it makes sense because of the, the amount of power she has, but I feel like they didn't, they didn't talk about it. So I don't know. It's kind of like, there's a bit of room for interpretation with this movie a little bit. Like they kind of want you to meet them halfway, which is fine. Cause I like to sit in the front of the theater. Uh, so, um, I like to sit in the first four rows, uh, not the first row, but definitely like three and four somewhere in there. There's a good sweet spot, yeah, that's comfy. Uh, but, but they want to, uh, they want you to kind of meet them halfway, but but a, a, an accuser essentially that's what they do. And if they find a, a planet troublesome, and they're not not going with the Kree Empire here, then they send in a Sentry, and a Sentry is a giant robot that essentially can blow up that entire planet. So, so essentially, like it's a robotic nuke, um, and uh, and it does a lot of damage, and uh, and so that's how they work. So this, that's what she is. She's been promoted to the rank of accuser and she, or an adjudicator. So she is the one who, you know, moves in and, and enforces the, the, forces the supreme intelligence's will. Okay. Yeah. She had a fancy title. You're right. I forget what it was, but they kept calling her. It's an accuser. Her. She's an accuser. Yeah. But they, there was a word they used in the movie a couple of times. Like they called her something like Ultima, something like that. Or and like somebody somebody called her, hey Darben, oh. and she was like, actually, it's blah 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 Darben. Like, oh yes, yeah. yes, no, they that's the zealot thing I was talking about. Her, uh, like something like a heretic zealot or something zealot like that. But yeah. yes, they, they it's I can't remember the name, but they have mentioned it before in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's and it's a reference in a scene where um, where Ronan's about to kill some uh, kill a Zandarian. And and he says uh, he says that um, he says that he is this that name that you're just talking about, and Zealot is another name he's given. Okay. And and those that's the name there. I can't remember, but viewers, I know you know the story just as well as I do. So if you go back to that scene, that's what she's referred to by this. This the the scrolls refer to her as that. Okay. All right, so that's a cool little backstory for this lady. I like yes. it, and it's you say they get us to kind of meet them halfway, and I think that's good. We don't really need a whole lot about her, and what we need, we get. We get why she's angry and why she's doing what she's doing. Um, yeah, actually, they, this is this is the this is where this movie kind of starts to kick off a little bit. Like for me, what I liked about this movie is they didn't waste a lot of time, but they did give you everything you need to know about where Miss Marvel has been. And more importantly, um, and more importantly, uh, gave you enough backstory about why she's a bit weird as a character. Yes. And I think, I think it was really clever. Um, I feel like they should have given it to you a little sooner uh, just because I feel like maybe there's a, I think there's a scene that was perfect and it would have been better served if it was like a, uh, uh, I wouldn't even say end credit, but like, you know, kind of like a immediate aftermath of uh, end game for her. And, and that would have made you go, okay, cool. I can't wait to see your movie now because I want to know what you've been up to. Whereas opposed to why is, why is she acting so distant? And, you know, where have you been? Right? Like it's, there's a way to do it. And, and this movie does really clean up a lot of the, her character. Not, in a, not in like, 
you know, not that she needed a big overhaul, but there's definitely a lot of room for her to like, just like give us some explanation of like, why is she so distant? You know, in, in acting classes, especially in improv, you know, uh, one of the key themes here is like, you never say no, you can't say no and just distance yourself off as a character improv you have to you have to interact with everybody so you can't just be like you know when someone says oh we want you to do this you can't be like no i can't do it there's a yes and 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 with be with that being said is that you you can still do your own thing but you have to do it still within the structure that the characters have built right you can't just leave the room you have to find a way to do something else within that room so with captain marvel they did it i think they did this movie does an exceptional job of taking pieces of Captain Marvel's story of where she's been, but they don't waste time trying to over explain it. They literally give you like, look, she was, she's been here. Did she did this? She did, she's been there. She did that. And now we're like, let's go on to the next part of this movie. Like it was, this movie was very fast. This movie does not let off the gas pedal a lot. <laughs> and when it does, it doesn't, it doesn't let off the gas pedal for very long. No, it's a quick one. You really feel the, the brisk pace and the short runtime. Yeah. Uh, I love that new look at Captain Marvel that we've got, that new adding to the layers of her. Yeah. Um, I think it's because of how distant she's always been. I thought it was a really fun and really funny choice that throughout the movie, they kept referring to all these adventures. It's like, oh yeah, I've been to this planet before. It's going to be kind of awkward. I love that. That's like, Star Wars level world building for me. That's like Lando Calrissian saying, they must have heard about my maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. And you're like, I'm never gonna get to see that battle, but that sounds awesome. That gives Lando so many more layers. Uh, and I, I wish the movie had done that more. I would have loved that they'd made that a running joke where it's like, oh, what about this planet here? It's like, I can't go there anymore. I, you know, I was, uh, you know, public indecency charge, whatever, you know, just <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do think though, and and this is not, I don't say this as a knock against the movie. I just say this as something that I think I would have liked more, um, it, which is have a prologue at the beginning of the movie. Let's say five minutes tops, right? A five minutes tops prologue, which is her killing Supreme Intelligence. Uh, and it, it starts the movie off on this trajectory of, of this is Carol doing whatever at whatever point she did it. And then the rest of the movie is her dealing with the consequences of that and trying to become a newer, better Captain Marvel because she's like, I don't want to be that person I was at the beginning of this movie because look what happened. Um, I'm not saying that would be better than the movie we got. It would just be something I would have loved to see. Um, you know what? That's that's a good point because I was trying I was saying that to Isabelle on the way back is that there's a lot of good pieces to this movie but I do feel like they're in the wrong places like mm -hmm. there there's there's I feel like there's a, there's a better there's a better way to tell this arc it's the same story I like I would not have changed the story in any way uh, I mean to be fair I might have used a different villain or something but like my point is. My point is, though, there's nothing wrong with the actor, the the actor who played the villain. 
Um, I think it's just the villain was just way too generic as a villain character. But my point is, is like the story still great. The story still fantastic. Yeah. I would have just rearranged the pieces a little bit so that you feel a little like you feel like you're you're more strapped into this roller coaster ride as opposed to just being you know bumped around a little bit. Exactly. I love a good prologue in a book or film i love a good pre-credits yeah. uh like setup and i think a great example that i'll pull out here is goldeneye right goldeneye before the credits roll you see why alec trevelyan becomes the villain you see why 006 is going to be like well screw you james bond and mi6 i'm going to go do my own thing and become a bad guy um and part of it is callousness on bond's part because he He's supposed to set the timer to six minutes, but he doesn't, right? Uh, and now that's not the best example in the world because Bond doesn't exactly learn from that lesson at the end of the day. He just kills Trevelyan and has sex with a lady and then moves on to Tomorrow Never Dies. But uh, if you take that and you apply like a bit more character work to it, that could have been a fun journey to see Carol go on where it's like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm Captain Marvel. I'm doing all this crazy stuff. I'm going to go make good on my promise and kill the supreme intelligence. And us as fans were like, oh yeah, that's what she promised in movie one. This is so cool. This is only the beginning. What a great start we're off to. And then we see like, oh, she's, you know, she's so powerful with great power comes great responsibility. And she's not tuned into that yet. Cause look what she did. Mm. Uh, and that would have been a cool way to just have that happen. It's like, boom, supreme intelligence is dead. And then, that world falls apart, boom, opening credits, Captain the Marvels, whatever, and then go right into Kamala, and it's like, oh, okay. Or not Kamala, but go right into uh, Darben, who's just like, I'm angry now. Years later, I'm still angry. Uh, I think that would have been a neat little uh, little way to go about putting that puzzle piece together. Which is which is interesting you say that, and I totally agree. Um, I agree with you. Also, your example is good, but I think there's a better example out there that we're just not thinking of. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's better prologues that really set up you know the, the the tone of the movie in terms of you know the 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 actions and consequences. And you're right too because like the last time we saw her, she's like you know tell the supreme intelligence I'm coming for him, right? um fun fact yes the scene you're referring to doesn't happen until close to the second act of the movie uh like and we're talking like you're already well into the first act so um and it's interesting too so so what happens is the movie kind of kicks off with a very lightning fast pace of you know just like uh just everyone doing their thing kind of thing and uh but like it kicks off with uh like you said it kicks off with the accuser she finds the bangle on this planet uh it's one half and again if you already know miss marvel and disney plus you know miss marvel has the second half mm -hmm. right out of the gate which is really cool it's nice to see that it's nice to see that your disney plus kind of investment pays off a little bit um but it's 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 a long time coming in this investment because you're you're kind of like oh, okay Finally, okay, someone else has a bracelet. What does this mean, right? And then the movie gets into that. The movie gets into that fairly quickly. Um, and then pretty much what you've seen from the trailer is the beginning of the movie, um, which kicks off with the, this power switching right out of the gate. Uh, and then this massive fight scene between Space and then Kamala's house, uh, which is fun. The, the fight scene is hella fun. Uh, and yeah. then it kicks off with the reference of... of um, 
of Captain Marvel being the what do they call her? Annihilator. Uh, you know, that was your time to call her a nihilist and then that she's going to turn into, uh, what's her name? Well, she looks nothing like Christine Everhart, Ryan, so I'm not going to call her a nihilist. <laughs> but, they call, but he's right. He's right. He her, <laughs> they call her the annihilator. And that's where that's where I think Fantasia point, Fantasia's point comes into play, which is kind of like, yeah, they're calling her the annihilator. That's interesting. Like, okay, mm -hmm. why? And then and then they get into the why later. So I mean, I agree with you. If they set that kind of that scene up earlier, it's really good. But I do want to make a call out, and this is where my first spoiler is going to come into play. So I'm going to give you a moment to warn you, take a moment. Um, and that is is that we actually get to see a comic book-esque supreme intelligence, which was a dope. I was so that was the first big exciting moment for me. I was like, ah! <laughs> um, if I had to say though, what makes the villain memorable is this is the best version of the Kree we got. Like their new uniforms look great. They have a really good comic book edge to them, which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, that's Supreme Intelligence though. Oh, even though we only got it for like 30 seconds, it was worth every second. Yeah, look just like it. Uh, and I, for one, don't hate me for this, but I'm really glad that the the whole plot of Captain Marvel 2 was not about that because I always found that whole thing of the Kree planet and the Supreme Intelligence to be a really boring part of the Marvel Universe. It's just nothing there catches me. Uh, so I'm glad that because we spent so much time there in part one that we didn't have to make part two all about that part two really embraced the more colorful wild aspects of marvel that i like much much better mm -hmm. no absolutely yeah they did but the like the kree empire in the comics like they're they're a dry barren planet like they're mm. everything's used up for military resources and that's why they're the biggest one of the biggest military forces in the galaxy um next to of course like the shiar empire uh, as well, so uh, not that I'm making any references uh, to, although there is, <laughs> although there is a scene uh, where the ship cloaks, and I'm like, has there been any other cloaking technology in this MCU? And then I thought to myself, there was a moment where I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't remember anything that has real cloaking technology. And then I was like, well, technically the shield has cloaking technology. So I, so I kind of like had that small little debate, but yes, no, it was, it was like shield had cloaking technology. So whatever. Well, if you um, look way in the background of the saber base, yeah. Uh, when they're doing that, you can see a little tiny Jordy LaForge and he's like, captain, I'm going to put the, sh the cloaking shields up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now that's the, that's the other cool part is we kind of get right into saber. Mm -hmm. Not sword. I, I thought it was no. There is a sword. There? there was a sword. Yeah, that was um, the douchebag from Wandavision. That was sword. Yeah, there's yeah. a sword sword facility, but this this is Saber's facility. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that was really cool too. So this is where it gets interesting. So after the, the scramble of the fight scene, you get a little bit of plot development here in terms of the MCU building out. So um, we get the establishment of Saber uh, by Monica meeting the family, and again. They explain, you get to see, um, I, I'd say majority of the first 30 minutes uh, are all in the trailer. Like the, the quick beats that you see in there, those are kind of more 
sprawled out. Yeah. Um, there's some really funny moments though. And this this movie, I'd have to say, out of a lot of Marvel movies, this is probably one of the funniest ones that that is that is done really well. Uh, and that's kind of the other thing though. There's a refreshing return to pacing with this Marvel MCU movie. Like it kind of it kind of reminded me of Captain America, the first one. There's a well balance of humor. Uh, there's there's kind of this lighthearted experience to it, but still having a very emotional story. Um, so once we get that, I have to say, uh, once you once we uh, get Miss Marvel into the story, she cleans house. I think she almost steals every single scene she has. Like the comedy chops in that woman is so good. And she has great moments. Like, I don't know if it's just a combination of good writing and, like, the way she delivers it, but every scene she has, she she owns it really well. well I mean, Canadian people are naturally good-looking and funny and charming <laughs> and talented, so that's just how it is. Absolutely. No, she, yeah, she's got it all, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of her because not only that, like, Kevin Feige has gone out and said that she's like a proper comic book fan. And, and what I think what's really nice about her character, and I remember seeing another reviewer say the same is that you know she she is a comic book fan and it kind of bleeds out in her performance like it really comes out in that way (laughs) but it works for the character so it's it's really fun like it's it, it like you see some of the 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 early comedy moments with her being like did she get into the avengers and stuff like that but i really enjoyed that when they get to her story in the beginning there's that drawing reference that they did from the Disney Plus show where she kind of has her own, like she's off her own little dreamland. Yeah, bringing that back was a great touch. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it helps make it feel like a team movie because you. Uh, it didn't feel like she got dropped in Captain Marvel's world. It really felt like all three of those worlds meshed together. So beautifully said, absolutely. And even still, like um, with uh, Spectrum and and uh, and WandaVision, like you got the you got her just meshed in there as well. Not to a point where one's competing over the other. They actually really clashed well together, um, playing up that whole body switching thing, which was really fun. Um, it, I mean, her family too. They had a lot of funny scenes. Uh, but what's really cool about that scene, and it's a small thing with humor. But it plays out to be something big later on. Um, is her picking up the tablet and they that she's seeing that uh, you know they have like notes on her family and stuff like that. And Saber Saber's job they uh, they look for anomalies in uh, in in the planet Earth, which is really cool. So that was really really a nice nod. But she there's a fun there's a lot of fun moments there. Yeah, it feels like we didn't miss a beat from the family from the show, right? Like they went right into it. Um, the set was exactly the same, yep. which is, it's a weird thing to think about, but, um, usually when, uh, just production wise, when, uh, you have a, uh, television show set, whatever, and it's done, you strike the set. Uh, and that show was made a long time ago. So maybe Marvel just works differently and they recycle these things. If so awesome. But, uh, I wasn't expecting to see the house that much uh and then we did and i was like oh cool it's the same dark green living room and like everything is right where it should be i thought that was really cool it really felt like we didn't miss a beat from what was that a year and a half ago when that show was out already that's yeah absolutely but uh no they did a good job like i i think just to kind of summarize what we're what we're both kind of getting around here is they did a good job clashing 
um, these different worlds together, like, you know, Captain Marvel's world, uh, Monica Rambeau's world, and Miss Marvel's world. Uh, three different characters from, uh, from technically three different story arcs smashing together to propel one story. It, they do a really good job of, of really bringing these characters together without, I, I guess in this particular case, without really rushing it because, because um, Captain, or sorry, Miss Marvel's story does actually justify what's going on in Captain Marvel. So it doesn't feel out of left field or anything. Yeah. You just kind of really accept it right away as someone who's invested that time in the Marvel shows literally and and even there's a scene where uh just just past that where miss marvel talks about that she has she has the other the other bracelet and that she got it from her grandmother and she literally summarizes her story from the disney plus show she's like i even transcended space and time at one point like it's mm -hmm. like okay wow okay we got that check off like now we're up to date on miss marvel moving on like all right oh yeah you know specter came back from the blip and you know she was part of sword and now she's you know, work with Nick Fury and boom, okay, we're checked there. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it really was checking off one beat after another to to move the story forward into spending the rest of the movie really just battling this Kree soldier. Like that really is like the first act is like they get smashed together, they have a fight scene, they all realize they have to work together because Miss Marvel is tied to the whole thing and and they keep all switching powers. So okay, we need to work together. Now we need to go fight the villain. And that literally is the beginning of the movie. And and from there, that's that's the movie. Yeah, they take it and they run. Yeah. I don't know. I saw uh, in the credits that the, there were three writers of the movie. I don't know which one of them came up with the concept of them swapping powers, but whoever it was, give her a raise. Because, man, was that ever creative. Uh, and it really formed the spine of the first half of this film because they they're yeah. switching powers almost all throughout uh, well they're not switching powers they're power oh, sorry yeah which places switching places sorry yeah. Yeah, when they use their powers um to the point where you know jumping ahead a little bit here when that is no longer an issue it becomes this little quiet sad moment of like oh yeah, we can't do that anymore. I, I guess that's a good thing. But now you can see that because Carol has that line of like, oh, I guess that's good. Um, but you can tell maybe she was kind of enjoying this because she was. She has said in the movie she's lonely. It's just her and Goose on this ship. They're out there doing God knows what, just bopping around space. So the fact that she now has this small family unit with these other two people with her uh, and they had this connection where by the very nature of the problem, it was in their best interest to stay in the same place because uh, Kamala almost died. So uh, now that that swapping problem isn't around, you can see here kind of go like, oh, does that mean they're going to leave me? Uh, and, and that was such a cool little subtle moment. And it's like, yeah, there's those extra layers of Carol that we wanted to see. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's interesting too with the, the power, or sorry, the the, the swapping places because what made me think about it a little bit here i i had my own theory going into it but again this is one of my marvel ambitious theories so listeners you know this is where like don't take me too seriously here but mephisto confirmed <laughs> actually i would have said galactus confirmed because power cosmic uh if you remember the second fantastic four movie which i know a lot of people 
try to block in their memories. But with when they come in contact with the cosmic power, they switch powers. So I thought that that was a play right. on that and led it, leading to the teasing of um, uh, leading to the teasing of Galactus, essentially. But what's interesting, too, which leads me to the second act of this, is the, the little part of the story of the Skrulls. Now, I liked it, but again, the movie does not let up on speed. So what happens here is we have a good... We, and this is where your Marvel knowledge really has to meet halfway. If you had not seen Guardians of the Galaxy, then you know that the Korean Skrull, or even Captain Marvel, you know that the Korean Skrull are in a tiff already. And that they've had peace talks. And in Guardians, they had peace talks that ended up working. Like, you know, and some people may not like it, i.e. Ronan. Um, but, you know, that the Kree and the Skrulls have made a peace talk with through the Zandarians and all this stuff. And then fast forward to Captain Marvel. Then you realize the Skrulls are invading everywhere. And the Kree are trying to kind of just manage them and push them out of planets. But the the scroll are like, oh, but the Kree are bullies and all this stuff. So you do have to meet Marvel halfway with those certain points. Like, I think the director does a good job of being like, yo, if you're a fan the way you say you are, look, I'm going to give the audience exactly what they need. Not maybe it may not be enough, but it, I think it is. And you as the Marvel fan, you know what you need to know from past stuff. And they mm -hmm. talk about that. So then um, this, uh, this Kree accuser comes in. And she comes to this, this scrawl refugee camp, or sorry, uh, scrawl refugee colony on a different planet. And she's like, yo, okay, I'm here to make a peace treaty, or I'm here to talk about our treaty. And uh, Captain Marvel comes into play. And, and again, you know, the more I think about it, though, the more it is like a whole story. But I think you're right. It's just the pieces are in, in weird places. But yeah, anyways. So that uh, causes a tiff again with the Korean the scroll, which was kind of neat. It's it nice to finally see a bit more of a conflict there. Yeah, because we haven't really seen, I don't think we've seen Korean scrolls together much, not even in the first movie. Well, in Captain Marvel, you see them briefly, but that's it. Like it's, yeah. it's, and I mean, it's hella brief, like very short. So for fans of the Kree scroll war, you, you've got a little bit more on your plate here. Um, first of all, I don't know how you can say people have forgotten about uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer because you and I are both literally watching it on the second screen right now. <laughs> In fact, we do that every time we record, right? We have we watch the Rise yeah, of the Silver we, Surfer. Yeah, on the we have screen. a tradition, a ritual where we'll watch the whole movie before we do this, just to really psych us up for Marvel stuff. <laughs> yeah, flame on. Um, but the uh, interesting thing to note here, and I don't say this as a complaint, I just think it's kind of funny and kind of interesting. Not a whisper of secret invasion to be seen. No, honestly, I really thought there'd be a little bit more development on that area because that was probably the one Disney Plus project that would have benefited still fitted in this narrative. But yeah, I mean, even just I thought at minimum, because we didn't really need much about it. It was its own thing anyway. But I thought at minimum there would have been a moment where Nick and Carol were talking and Somebody was like, you know, Talos, man. He was a good guy. Right? Um, yeah, we have a new Skrull Empire king person guy. <laughs> king guy with a French accent, I think, I thought, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Hello, yeah. I am a Skrull. Would you like but, some baguette? 
<laughs> but uh, but it still plays up to, like I said, it still plays up to the lore of of the MCU between the Kree and the Skrull. And what I really like about this part of the story is once um, Captain Marvel kind of kicks off and you know kind of appears there with the in front of the Kree, she immediately the Kree is like, "Yo, you guys sided with Captain Marvel. This treaty's done." And then she. She pulls, and then again, she pulls a move like Galactus. She essentially opens a portal that steals the planet's resources, which I thought was so interesting. But it was interesting. But at the same time, I was like, okay, all right, let's let's see where this goes. Like I was, I was genuinely like both curious, curiously interested. That's what I think I would say cautiously interested. There we go. It's cautiously interested to see where it goes because it is an interesting concept. Like um, then, that's when you find out that the that the the villain's true motives here, which is the accuser, um, doesn't even really accuse anymore. Well, actually, yeah, it does accuse, but in the sense of like, yo, your guys are criminals, so we're gonna take your resources, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what she does. She opens a portal with the new bangle that she has or the bracelet that she has, and steals air from the planet, which is crazy. It takes a while to figure out what she's up to, but man, once they made it clear, I thought that was such a cool motivation for our villain. I'm sitting yeah. there, I'm like, yes, oh my God, I have never seen this before. We've seen a thousand movies where the villain does something and it opens up a hole in the sky, but we've never seen one where they're doing that because they're stealing essential planetary resources to heal their own dying planet. So every time she did it, it was like, I'm not going to steal air. Now I'm going to steal water. Now I'm going to come after your son. I just, I was along for that ride. I'm like, this is some of my favorite villain motivation that Marvel's given us. Yep. It's an environmental villain. Um, (laughs) But that's the other thing. This movie kind of kicks off and you don't really get to realize until later on is that the, the, Planet Hala is dying. Their sun is dead, and they have no resources. They don't. Their planet doesn't have any oxygen. Don't have any water, um, and uh, they don't have their sun. So that was another thing. And it's uh, all Carol's fault. It's all Carol's fault. Uh, okay. Thus, given the name, the Annihilator, which was really, and that that was a really like okay, that is really cool. And and again, it, it's one thing that I think also really helped build Captain Marvel's character, um, because you know you see her come in in the late latter end of the uh, Infinity Saga, and she's just, just pure power, and she just throws it. She just throws it around as and being the tough boss that she is, and I respect that. But what I what I think I said I needed for that character is is I need that character to to you know have that great power comes great responsibility moment like you so delicately put. But on top of that, she needs to learn how to be a leader, right? It needs to yeah. take a step back and start seeing things from a different angle. Um, and and that's exactly what this movie does. This movie really kind of helps her in that in that regard. Do you remember the show The Big Comfy Couch? Yes. Do you think this movie should have had a scene where uh, Carol goes to Hala and she sees the state of the planet and she's like, hey, who made this big mess? (laughs) I did, didn't I? (laughs) 
but yeah so this at this point um at this point after the battle yeah you get a better idea of what captain marvel has done and where the kree are at so you now understand the villain's motivation and at this point too they do use some things uh some story tools i'll say uh from captain marvel the first one which they use the kree uh memory thing where it helps her unlock her memories yeah and that so was a cool was, callback yeah it was a great callback and it was a great way to link uh captain rambo and captain marvel uh you know yes. link their stories together again and really get a better understanding i think i think actually to be fair i think we really understood monica's position even from uh wandavision like it was pretty straightforward here that she felt abandoned period um yes but they do a good job of explaining it from a different angle which was like yo like you said you'd be there i blipped i came back and my mom was dead and, and the room was empty and and literally that was like the, the dagger in the heart which is like the room was empty and my yeah. mom said like and, and you said that and she's like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't know. Like, and, it, and this is really cool because you put Captain Marvel in a corner of like, you know, you can't keep giving us like you were off doing something. And then there's a huge uh, payoff after a very hilarious scene that I will describe shortly. But there's a huge payoff after our second battle, in our, in, which leads us into the second to third act, um, which is um, she ends up explaining that she after she destroyed the, the supremor or the supreme intelligence um that she destroyed Hala and she didn't know how to fix it and she couldn't come back until she did and that's perfect like that literally puts that character in a corner where it's like okay we're tired of your excuses you have to tell us what's going on yes and it, and it made her uh, a character that has depth in the sense of she needs she needs something like like there's something there that needs to be fixed and that's really good cool. that i really appreciated that it tells us so much more about carol without explicitly spelling it out but it's right there like most if not all the people she cares about live on planet earth so she just did a thing where she wiped out a planet like made it unlivable <laughs> The last place she's going to go is the, the place where all the people she loves are. If she thinks like, oh, my God, I could do that again in, in a heartbeat because I'm so powerful. Right. I got to I'm staying away. <laughs> I'm not going. Sorry, Rocket Raccoon. I'm not answering your call to come help do stuff in Endgame because I'm <laughs> I killed some folks. And now yeah, I got to deal with She's that. afraid of what she can do. Yeah. And that's that that plays very beautifully into another scene, which we'll talk about. But. Now let's talk about some humor a little bit here because we, so they figure out what the Kree's up to after this whole memory thing. And they go to this water planet and Captain Marvel seems very hesitant about going to this planet. And at first you're like, oh, here we go again. She's really distant about, you know, going to some place. And uh, <laughs> we go to this planet where all they do is sing and dance communicate to each other i think ryan our listeners demand that when we talk about the scene we sing it <laughs> god no i'm not even <laughs> it's way too late for me to even get into that mood but it's it's really funny and it but this is why i think this movie kind of reminds me of captain america the first one 
in a way because I'll never forget this. Captain America came in at a precarious time because it was the last movie, uh, or sorry, it was the first movie that was kind of co-produced by Paramount and Disney because Disney kind of took over. And people were like, oh, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, which in the end, it turned out to be one of the best comic book films of the MCU. Um, but there's a, there's a musicality to it, which is classic Disney, right? There's a song and a dance. Aww. So Captain Marvel clearly plays up to that humor. And uh, they go to a planet where all they do is sing and dance. And the thing is, is that's how they communicate. They, they don't speak. They don't speak in normal you know language they have to sing to each other and she's like that's the only way to converse and i gotta say man just monica does monica and miss marvel do a great job of just <laughs> just trying trying to accept what they're seeing and literally like, even monica's trying to sing to them they're like where are we going <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i myself would have loved to spend another 10 minutes of movie time on this planet. I get why the movie didn't linger here. Um, but us, like all singing aside, this is this planet is the type of place I want to see when we deal with Marvel stories set in the cosmos. Uh, like all the kind of places you see in Guardians of the Galaxy that are just big and vivid and colorful and they look like nothing else on planet Earth and the costumes look like nothing else on planet Earth. That's what this was for me. And I was like, yes, every second we spent on this planet, I think it was called Alatna or something. Every second we spent there, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I love it. Look at that. Look at those costumes. Look how beautiful this is. Look how not earthy this is. Uh, that's why the world of Captain Marvel from the first film I didn't love it so much because I'm like, oh, cool, we're in the cosmos, but then we're on the Cree planet where everything's just smoke and gray. Who cares? So I'm so happy that we kept going back to the cosmic world, but we did it with the cosmic world that I like to see. The stuff that looks like a Jack Kirby drawing popped off the page. Uh, so I'm, I was so happy to be here. I thought this Prince was going to have more screen time because over the years that this movie was coming out, they... They really built him up as a character. They're like, oh, this actor got cast and like it's going to be cool. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I thought this prince was going to be along for the ride, but it's okay. We didn't really need him at the end of the day. Uh, but it, it did give us what might be my favorite funny line in the movie where he's dancing with Carol and she's like, we are all in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and uh, well, and I love too. Like uh, they really play with the audience in the sense of like she's at she has, she sings the 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 dialogue like she sings the dialogue like we're all in danger, friends need help, and like all this stuff. Um, and then at one point she's like, okay, we need to stop singing. And then and then uh, I think it was Monica. She's like, uh, I thought you have to. You have to sing to him. And then she looks at him. She's like, oh, he's bilingual. <laughs> yeah. What a great, easy way to, to fix that situation so it doesn't become grating. And, yeah. and to it's, yeah, the, the writing they, of this movie do is actually, so sharp. It's still that Disney theme that even Captain America had because um, they do kind of Disney princessify Captain Marvel because they give her like an actual princess dress, I would say. And it's, it's actually... I would say it's actually a really nice design, uh, especially paying respects to the comic book colors of the character. Yeah. And why the hell is that not like a doll that's already on shelves? Right. Oh, I'm, like, sure, right? I'm sure it will be. It better I'm be. I'm sure actually, if it, 
I think if it connects with the right audience, it's gonna it's gonna be bigger than it is right now. I think I think the 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 right audience members don't haven't quite found it yet. I definitely think it's I don't think it's gonna be the ones in the front of the theater. I think it might win over the ones in the back of the theater. So now that I think about it, I haven't even seen any merchandise for the marbles on any shelves yet, which is strange. Remember the nineties, like there'd be Godzilla toys out for like a month before the movie came out. Um, Actually, I remember Civil War because Civil War was ruined for me because uh, the Funko line came out before the movie and they announced, uh, they announced Giant Man. Uh, I knew Giant Man was in Civil War. That's too bad. They shouldn't do that. They gotta, they gotta pace themselves. Is this the first time Brie Larson has sung in a movie since Scott Pilgrim? Oh, since I was, yeah, yeah. Since Scott Pilgrim, yes, absolutely. Since Scott Pilgrim, wow. Yeah, so we, another Canadian uh, piece of art, right? We've come full circle. I love it. There's Canadian Is references all over. Canadian? What's that? Is Brie Larson Canadian? No, I'm saying Scott Pilgrim because that's oh, yeah. set in Toronto. Uh, no, she's she's from America. Uh, I don't know where in America. Um, but yeah, that's this that's this musical planet, which I love. And I love all the... The costumes and everything there is just wonderful, and they have that. Speaking of speaking of costumes, Captain Marvel's Act One costume was really good. They fixed it mm-hmm. really well, and it looks amazing. I I'm not a fan of her second outfit after she leaves the musical planet, but ah, um, it's a bit muted, isn't it? It's yeah. a bit too, especially because she's standing next to the other two, and their costumes pop. Yeah, their costumes really pop out. Um, I'm surprised actually too because. It's bigger, like in terms of the symbol, and 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 yeah, I honestly think they could have kept the colors and really given her a big splash of gold on on the, the emblem on her chest there, yeah. um, and given her the and it would have been the perfect opportunity, given her the sash that she normally wears on her hips, but uh, they didn't do that. So, <laughs> but anyway, so the second act, the second act battle on the musical planet is really fun. It's really good. Um, Kamala gets then, a sash in that fight. Yes, Miss Marvel yeah. does, but I'm yeah. saying Captain Captain Marvel wears the sash on her. Yeah. So they compensated, they give the sash to someone else. But that sash, yeah. man, that can that can do some damage. <laughs> yeah, Miss I, I gotta say actually the fight choreography in this is pretty top notch. Someone who enjoys action sequences, I will tell you that Miss Marvel, first of all, kicks a lot of ass in this one. She does a good job. She has kind of this like breakdancing fighting style that's really fun to watch. Um, and even Captain Marvel lays down quite a beating as well as, uh, as well as, uh, Spectrum. So it's, it's really beautiful fighting. Yeah. It's fast and it's brutal. Yeah. And it's got some good superhero moments too. A lot of projectile shooting, but yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people hate. They, they hate that. It's just, the, you know, the people who hate superhero movies are like, it's just people shooting stuff out of their hands, but it's like, Hey, that's, that's what they are. That's what superheroes do. They make it look good on screen. So, what what's the problem? Exactly. What's the problem? But so we move into Act Two, leading to Act Three. Um, now this is where it gets weird. <laughs> really, so, Ryan? This is where the movie got. Yeah. <laughs> if you thought the singing didn't kick off the weirdness, it gets weirder than that. Um, so, uh, first of all, Nick Fury in this one is not, he, I think he's kind of lost his edge, but it's not really a bad thing. He's, I think he's just really comfortable within his character to kind of have a little bit of fun. And it, it translates. It's, it's there. It's, it's, it, he has some really funny moments, but he has badass moments too. Um, 
Uh, so at this point, he's on Saber, and Saber has this weird um, egg uh, coming around in the uh, in the ship, uh, and those mm-hmm. eggs seem to multiply. Um, so we kind of that be kind of becomes an interesting thing. So. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, Captain Marvel's just, you know, she just revealed, as I mentioned before, her backstory about why she hasn't come back. Um, and we get a little, we get a little uh, backstory too about her mom knowing that she had cancer, another reason why she could like come back and everything. So it's, it's a bit tragic, uh, a bit sad, but uh, we get there. But this is, this is my point in the movie is that the beats there. So for the villain, like we already know what the villain's up to and the villain's already up until stage four. So now they, she realizes, Hey, I need to go to earth to, to get the sun. If I get the sun that will reignite our sun, Hal is fixed, planet earth dies everywhere. And then, and you get the, I think that's what it becomes is that the villain has an interesting angle, but the villain's motivation to gather the resources and destroy the planets. It's all things that Captain Marvel cares about. So I think that's why the villain becomes forgettable because it becomes a simple revenge story as opposed to, you know, just, you know, the, the annihilator, uh, you know, this whole annihilator angle and like this one rising above to solve Hala's problem. She's not doing it just to solve Hala's problem. She's doing it to get revenge as well as solving Hala's problems. And sometimes revenge is just too simple for me, but could be, that could be it. I don't know. There is some, some feeling of, unsatisfaction there but yeah i don't know i i I dig it i think like yeah i I get the revenge is played out but the manner in which she's seeking that revenge is definitely something i've never seen before and even though as we said at the top this is a small movie in the grand scheme of things at the end of the day they saved the galaxy because if that sun is gone that's it so, uh, or, or not the galaxy, the solar system. I, I haven't, uh, I'm not a science person. I'm sorry, but they say the solar system. They say the Milky Way. No, the Milky Way is the galaxy. Again, not they, a science they, person. They do the classic kind of Marvel science, which is enough to explain things, but it's yeah. not, it's very superficial, but, uh, but yeah. it's still enough just to give you. Um, but, but the yeah. stakes are high is what, is what I'm struggling to say. The stakes are high. Even at the end, Kamala's mom tells her, like, you just saved the friggin' world. Uh, so as small as it seems to us in the grand Marvel scheme, it was a big deal. Like this is a story that is a big deal. Yeah. And and again, the pieces are important. The pieces of the story are very important. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so she's stealing the sun uh, and the eggs, uh, this is another spoiler moment. So I'm going to give you a moment. Spoiler warning. I think at this point it's all going to be spoilers, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Uh, but the eggs turned out to be an army of flurkins, little baby cats with uh, the classic song from the movie Cats. <laughs> is that what that song is from? No. Okay. I've never seen Cats, uh, either the movie or the stage show. Don't watch uh, the new movie. Don't don't ever don't ever go down that rabbit hole. It's it's not worth it. Yeah, I don't think I have the the fortitude for that. Um, but. I gotta give props to this scene because again, I think this this movie's so creative. I, I love it that about it. It would have been so easy and so simple when those eggs hatched for the writers to say, like, okay, it's a big battle, and you have a whole army of Flurgan fighting a bunch of Crete. But 
that's been done and that's the easy answer. So instead they give us this cool thing where it's like, hey, those things can, they're, the insides of a Flurgan is basically like a little pocket universe uh, and you won't die if you get caught up in one, which they established off the top because the, the goose eats a couple of those Kree guys. So it's like, let's use these as a way to solve this problem of getting all these people off this saber platform. And I, mad respect, mad writing respect for whoever put those pieces together. I adored using the cats for that purpose. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, buddy. Absolutely. It's so clever. So the, the Saber ship is going down because of the rip in uh, the space, rip in space through the wormhole uh, because of the, the bracelet. And, uh, and so the ship gets knocked out of alignment or something. And it causes them to lose half of their escape pods. So they don't have enough escape pods to get everybody off the ship. But then all these flurkins show up. And it's a hilarious scene just breaks out. And it's so fun. Um, also, I have to admit, there another fun. there's a fun superhero training montage that takes place that uh, they have to, the Marvels have to learn how to switch their powers. Yeah. Really fun to see as well. This happens a little earlier on. So we're kind of jumping back and forth here. But anyway. So the the cats and everything, it's really funny. It's it's hilarious. Um, but then the Marvels now are ready to do the final showdown. Like that's how fast this movie is. Is like <laughs> Big Battle One characters introduce each other. Big Battle Two, they understand what the problem is. Big Battle Three, they're gonna now you know go fix that problem. So they get they get over there and they they duke it out with uh, this accuser. And yeah, I mean, it's just, again, a, a great fight scene, super fun to watch. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting too. So she, she gets both bracelets and she, you think they're going to stop her, but she gets one rip in there. Now this is where a lot of debate happened amongst our group that saw it with us. Um, but yeah, so she gets thrown into space she does her thing that she always does where she slams the bracelets together. Her Wonder Woman she, move. Yeah, kind of a Wonder Woman move there. But this time she has both of them and it the explosion, uh, essentially the energy surging through her is too much and she explodes herself. Um, and not only that, she, you know, punches a hole in the in the universe. Now, the other thing is leading up to this event, Captain Marvel essentially a knock something on her and it ends up stabbing her to a point where she's near death. Um, and Monica finds a diplomatic solution saying Captain Marvel, like you're powerful enough to reignite the sun yourself. You should do it. Captain Marvel's like, I'm not sure if I can. And so this sparked some debate amongst our group, um, which is interesting uh, that, you know, they feel like a character who's powerful enough to ignite the sun seemed to have trouble beating someone with just a hammer. But I, this is where I'm convinced that 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 hammer is imbued with the power stone. It may not have the power stone, but it's definitely it. it the, based on its abilities, it seems uh, it seems like it's imbued with the power stone a little bit. I think so, and also Darben had the other bangle. Yes, which is giving her a lot of power. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Carol needed to use one of those bangles to do her something at the end, to do her lunette the clown 10 second tidy. 
No, because Miss Marvel had both of them. She put both of them on, but then when you see her, when they land in Battery Park and she's reunited with her mom, it looks like she's only wearing one. I'm pretty sure she had both. She had both of them? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe I'm remembering. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my theory, though. So, anyway, yeah. so she, uh, the villain, the villain ends up like, okay, yeah, you know, if you fix the sun, that's fine, right? But the second Miss, uh, second Captain Marvel lifts the giant thing off of her, she ends up taking out Miss Marvel and threatening her, gives her the bracelet, flies out in space, smashes it, blows a hole through space time, which ends up creating a portal into another alternative universe. Uh, so in order to fix it, uh, Captain Marvel takes back the bangles, gives them both to Miss Marvel. Um, and I think the reason why Miss Marvel could, and this is again, when you guys get to the viewers, when you get to the point where you see the scene, I welcome, I welcome any and all opinions on this. Um, but I think it's because she's a mutant that allows her to absorb the energy of the bangles a bit differently. Mm -hmm. Cause like she even says it, uh, that the bangles seek, if you seek the bangles, they seek you or something like that. But anyway. Her powers allow her to survive whatever happens. So um, Captain Rambo is like, hey, I think I can close it, but I need to be on the other side. And then Captain Marvel's like, oh, that's fine. You guys just power switch it out. She's like, but we can't. So it seems like a one-way ticket. Now, here's where I'm going to insert one last spoiler warning. Um, but on top of that, I'm going to say that I didn't feel as bad as I should have for two reasons. You One, didn't feel as bad as you should have that Monica was, was going to be gone? Going to be trapped in a different universe. Okay. Because, one, they do a good job of making you feel bad that, or try to feel bad. But, one, uh, she's not dead. She's just trapped in a different world. Two, you have America Chavez, which we figured out in our last podcast. So eventually, you just once they realize that she could do that, all you need to do is like all she needs to do is eventually be like, okay, where did she? Where was her jump point? And maybe like be able to feel the energy of that portal and then open one herself and then jump to the other side. America Chavez is going to solve a lot of problems for everybody. She is honestly, yeah. or, or even still, you could uh, you could use Doctor Strange to do the do the eye thing, and then like you know, find her in a different world, right? Like that mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? But my point is, is like, there is a way to find her. And that that made, in my mind, I guess I just kind of jumped to that solution so quickly that I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, feel, I, feel, I feel terrible for them feeling that way, but in the end, it's not the end of the world. You, you jumped ahead in your your Marvel, uh, Marvel knowledge. That's okay. It, it, and again, a lot of the stuff in this movie happens so fast, you don't have a lot of time to sit and feel the weight of those moments. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel the weight of Carol saying, oh, now we can't swap anymore. That's bad for me. I didn't feel the weight of that till now, now that we're sitting talking about it, uh, because everything's going by so quickly. Um, but when we, when we get this open... In, opening in reality and we are told by Monica that it is a different 
reality. It's a parallel. It's not because the whole movie we've been seeing jump points, which are just jump points. But this is different. This is a, a tear to another universe. There's multiverse time. Yeah. So this is the kind of juicy multiverse stuff that we love. I thought, Ryan, this did not happen, but I thought you were going to get your wish. I thought we were going to see Mr. Captain Marvel from this universe pop up once everything's closed and Monica's like, okay, where the hell am I? I thought she was going to turn around and you'd see like Agent Coulson there or whatever and be like, hey, how's it going? I'm Captain Marvel. And she's like, what? Captain Marvel? And, you know, uh, but that, that didn't end up happening. But I was thinking of you, buddy. I was sitting there. I'm like, is this going to happen right now? Is he going to get his wish? What would your reaction have been if that happened? Uh, actually, I would have been delightfully surprised. I would have been like, all right. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is good. Like, this is, again, I'm getting, I got I got some big comic book nods there that I would really appreciate. I got, the, I got the Supreme Intelligence, like, class, like, when you when viewers when you see that shot you will really appreciate what i appreciate like it looked <laughs> so comic booky i was i was blown away um but uh yeah no i would have been i would have been like like just like yeah like i would have been i would have been happy i would have been a happy camper not as happy as what happened <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there we'll get there but yeah i just um that's never crossed my mind though interesting yeah i just thought because what as soon as she was in there i'm like She's stuck in another universe. She's probably going to go try to find Carol in that universe. But then I'm like, what if it's not Carol in that universe? Uh, and then that's where my mind was going. But I am happier with what we got, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we should talk about it then. As well. I guess, yeah, I guess we should. Um, oh, actually, no, no, we can't. We can't yet because there's there's a part before that. So anyways, we don't mm. because that doesn't happen till till mid-credits. So That's right. So let's leave it at that. Uh, so I'm just going to tell you guys right now, mid-credit sequence is really amazing. Um, That's fine. You could say it's <laughs> uncanny. Uh, so let's let's leave it at that for now, though. But anyway, so... Uh, How, dare <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Sorry. Sorry. I was also going to say astonishing as well, but uh, it's just a little bit of that. Um, so so they come back and you know there's this nice kind of it's kind of like the classic wrapping up the present kind of thing like yeah you know now captain marvel hangs out with kamala's family you know kamala gets to you know live her life a little bit with this family and stuff which is really cool a nice way to tie that up but then we get the ending <laughs> and the ending feels like an end credit sequence <laughs> it yeah. really does um because you could have literally ended with them on the plane being like hey i miss her i miss her too and it's like yeah look up in the stars and, you know a little sparkle in space something like that um but the first end credit sequence is a is a nod to a classic uh which is you know the and again spoiler warnings final time uh like i said the movie i i feel like we didn't really and as you've seen from this big experience is that there isn't really any big spoilers here. Like it's it's just a it's just a fun ride. Yeah, not in the main story. No, it's a fun ride that just does what it does. It does what it does. It just adds a, it gives you more perspective to story arcs from past content. That's pretty yeah. much what it does. It expands on it. Uh, but the ending, uh, first big spoiler 
is uh, we get a classic kind of Nick Fury recruitment scene, although it's not Nick Fury, it's it's Kamala. And she has the tablet that was like all of Saber's security notes on different people. And she goes to recruit none other than Kate freaking Bishop. Oh my God. It was like, that was such a good setup. Like, oh man, it was so awesome. It she was looks great, by the way. She looks like she's ready to go for a, a Marvel movie. Oh yeah, I I was literally thinking of Kate Bishop uh, not too long ago. I think during one of our Loki talks, yeah. Uh, because I was like, ah, oh, Kate Bishop, another just a cool character that we haven't seen again. Um, and yeah, of course, I have a big old crush on Haley Steinfeld, so of course I'm like, yes, more Kate Bishop. But uh, this was such a great surprise, especially because it was not a, after the credits in any way. It was part of the main meat of the movie. So they threw that at us as a really cool curveball. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and we see Manhattan. We see a little silhouette of nighttime Manhattan. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're in New York. Cool. Whatever. Then we see uh, a silhouette of somebody holding something that looks like a bow, but it goes by pretty fast, just like everything else in this movie. So you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you see a dog get thrown some food. And I'm like, that looks kind of like lucky, but okay. And then we see Miss Kate. Um, and the the cherry on the Sunday is like you mentioned Kamala doing her best Nick Fury impression and sitting in the shadows. Yeah. And it's just if that little snippet of them together is indicative of how much fun a young Avengers movie is gonna be then I'm already waiting at the theater. Absolutely. I I mean, sign me up. It was such a fun scene. Um, and she also mentions, did you know that Ant-Man had a daughter? Oh, and so yeah. clearly they're going to go recruit her next by the looks of it. Um, but yeah, it was a great nod to the Young Avengers. And I am I am all for it, man. And I, I really am. I really am. Because I have to say, Miss Marvel in this movie really cleans house. Like she... She's a lot of fun to watch. She would be great as the, the leader of Young Avengers if they want to go that route. Um, is America Chavez a Young Avenger or is she technically an Avenger Avenger? She's technically an Avenger Avenger because she's actually a little bit older. Um, but we have seen a lot, and I mean a lot of the players of the Young Avengers already. So yeah. we've, seen, we've seen the young Loki. He's mm -hmm. one. We've seen Scar, which is uh, Hulk's son. That's right. Two. I forgot about him. Yeah, we've seen uh, Wanda's kids, which is, uh, I can't remember their names, but uh, Wiccan and... Uh, and Speed. Speed. And uh, Patriot. And the Patriot. So we've seen the entire roster of the Young Avengers at this point already. Wow. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of them are coming in um, Marvel United Season 3. Uh, except Miss oh, Marvel, no she, yeah, Miss Marvel was already in season one, but all the other ones, Kate, Wiccan Speed, um, except Sakar, he's not there. But instead, we have Hulkling, who I think is a different. Yeah, that's character. the that's the original comic book version, is, is right. Hulkling. But Scar, Scar is supposed to be the MCU version. Right. Yeah, but they're all they're all coming in the board game, as is Spectrum, because she hasn't been in it yet, but she's about to be. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so it's uh, so it was a it was a great scene, a great setup. I mean, 
these are the it seems like this that i live for in the mcu it's it's and what i liked about this one is i'm i am a little tired of these solo hero movies like you know song chi was a really good exception like to the to the to the rule but at this point the more the merrier in these movies you got to stop marvel's got to stop holding back and really kind of get characters together and that's what i did love about this movie was the fact that we had three heroes yes and and really play as a group we even got and i forgot to mention this but we even got a, a valkyrie appearance as well yeah i mean tessa thompson only had to work for about 20 minutes but she was there she was there doing her best like that was that might be the quickest cameo we have ever gotten in these movies yeah like, she's literally like boom i'm here boom i'm gone and i'm like wow you really just got tessa for that short amount of time i thought she was going to come back and help or something but uh, this is where this is where the you have to meet the movie halfway is that because uh captain marvel had a good relationship with thor in uh infinity war as well as well yeah mostly infinity war like they seem to get along um, but in Endgame, I think Captain Marvel only had a couple scenes with Valkyrie, but they don't look like they're talking to each other. They're just there together in the shot. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. So you kind of have to make the assumption that she spent time with these characters post, uh, post uh, Endgame. So. Yeah, again, it's, it's great Lando Calrissian world building, right? She's been up to so much stuff over mm -hmm. the years. Um, I, I wish they hadn't shown Valkyrie in the trailers because they literally showed everything that she does in the whole movie it was but it was shown in the final trailer it wasn't shown in the uh so it was shown in the final trailer which i'm pretty sure came out like like less than three days ago or something like that yeah but i wish i wish they hadn't shown us that like don't like keep that as a surprise it's literally you That's blink and you miss it yeah it's a blink and you miss it but at the same time it's it's no different than um it's no different than other trailers we've seen where they it's it's no different than uh, Wong and Shang Chi. Like it's it's literally one scene. It doesn't yeah. really serve any purpose whatsoever, and and that's it. Yeah, the only purpose it serves is just the fun of the cameo. So I, I don't know. I it's I'm just but it, no, it's it's the only purpose it serves is it's nice to see other characters mixing into yes. other stories. That's where it really shines. Like give us more of that. Yeah, like. I still like, even though I harp on Wong and Sang Chi, I still wanted that. Like, I still want that to happen. But my point is, it doesn't serve anything. It doesn't do anything, but that's okay. Like, just, you know, like, give, like, have, you know, Kamala walking through the streets and give Luke Cage a high five. Doesn't have to serve a story. I just like to see the characters running around together because it's the possibility of where these stories can go that can still be fun. Yeah, a thousand percent. I love all that. I just want to be surprised by it in the theater instead of in a trailer. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't want the trailers to show us that. Um, and the the whole fact of it all, of how this was the type of movie that it was, I think that the Marvels belongs on a, a high pedestal. I'm putting it up next to Civil War and Spider-Man No Way Home for being a non-Avengers movie that was not afraid to be a big team-up Yeah. Because uh, those are rarer than we think yeah. right now. Even though the MCU is all about that integration, they're still rarer than we think, right? Uh, Doctor Strange 2 didn't have, you know, Hawkeye hanging around with him the whole time. Like, it's still a Doctor Strange movie. 
so the team up movies, when they come, they are everything we love about these and they work. So I'm the Marvels belongs on that top shelf with those. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. I, I definitely, and again, like this movie is not bad. It's good. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. I, I actually, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? They, they, were, they were missing this, but oh wait, there was this, there was a scene. I remember that. It's, it's like you yeah. said, all the good pieces are there. It's just the order could have been rearranged a little better, but it doesn't, it still doesn't discredit it as being a bad movie. Not at all. No, I wouldn't call it bad at all. Um, and I mean, I know you for one are going to spend the rest of your life thinking about that mid credit scene, mister. <laughs> Aren't you? So, yeah. So, okay. So the movie ends with uh, that wonderful Kate Bishop scene, which was everything I wanted anymore. Um, and, and again, even if they didn't have this next scene, I would have still left in a very good mood based on that scene alone, because it's nice to finally get those, these newer characters to start, you know, yes. and talking. Right? Yes, please. That's huge. It's very important. Um, like, let's go. So the next thing, the next thing is that I will say, first of all, that the credit sequence is beautiful. The art is just absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. All um, the more reason why those sequences should be at the top of the movie, but I digress. But I digress. I digress. Um, the next one, though. Ho, ho, ho. So, first of all, after Spectrum closes the portal, you know it's a one-way ticket for her, but you know she's also in an alternate reality. And mm-hmm. so then it begs the question, where is she? Because that's the first question you're going to ask yourself is, where did she go? Yeah. So she wakes up and sees her mom. And she starts freaking out. She's like, oh, my God. How, like, even you as the viewers are like, how is she alive? Because we, as far as we knew, like she's done, she's gone. And then on top of that, to go one note further, is that like, if she's still alive, what does that mean? Like, was it a secret thing? Like, I don't know. And then I realized she's in a hospital. So my brain starts to go, oh my God, you know, who got her from space? From space, Mm -hmm. right? So it made me go, okay, so that means probably the Fantastic Four picked her up because they're space travelers, right? They probably saw an anomaly in space and wanted to see what it does. And uh, that that started getting me super stoked because I'm like, oh, my God, are we going to finally see Mr. Fantastic? Oh, no. They totally subverted all the fans' expectations for this. And they dropped (laughs) dropped an X-Men reference, and they brought in Beast. That's right. Kelsey Grammer's Beast has returned and he is he's a little more CG this time around, but it's it's the same beast voice you know and love. That that feeling from the from the cartoon where he's got just that that gritty but yet such cultured and educated voice and it's it honest I couldn't even tell you what he said. I don't freaking care. It's just like I remember he did say things. I remember it's more. He about spoiled the whole plot of the Kang Dynasty. They, <laughs> no, they didn't. But no, they they explained that like she she came through a portal and that they have to assume that it's an alternate reality. Blah blah blah, and that it leads to curiosity. But Beast does his classic Beast thing where he says like something super educated. But yes. Any, but anyways, I was literally, you could not strap me to my chair. Like I was literally just leaning on the edge of the chair, just absorbing it. But 
we did it. We got we got our first X-Men character in the MCU. Full on X-Men from the group character. And you know you know what's funny? Um first of all, like he is to this day one of the most perfectly cast superhero roles in cinema ever. Like ever. Uh, but the funny thing is, who does he enter? Like, like, yes, you're right. He's the first X-Man we get, and it happens to be Beast, who happens to be my favorite X-Man. So yay. And second of all, how funny is it that who does he interact with from what we've our universe here, but Monica, who's from WandaVision, which is a show that had you and I thinking for a long time was going to show Beast. Remember? That, right. That is absolutely right. Because she said she had a really smart friend. Yeah. And we were riding that beast train for a long time. Uh, so the odds, like, we, we kind of got our wish uh, just a few years later. <laughs> um, that, that Disney Plus investment, baby. That's yeah. uh, I am glad, though, Ryan. I'm super glad that it worked out the way it did for you. Because, unfortunately, this got spoiled for me before. I saw the movie. Yeah, I, I accidentally stumbled on something um, on YouTube. I, like in one of my suggested videos, somebody said that rumors are saying Beast is going to be in the movie. And I'm like, okay. And then I was on Twitter a couple days ago and some dude was posting a bunch of pictures of Beast from X-Men 3 without a lot of context. So I'm like, oh no. Did this just get spoiled for me? And oh. So... I didn't. I didn't get to to whoop with Glee, but still, I was so happy to see him. I was so happy it was still Kelsey Grammer, and this for the first time in phases four and five, it feels like our first direct arrow pointing at Secret Wars, uh, because he really he, he sets it up beautifully. He, uh, you're right. He said something that was so Hank McCoy from the way he talked in the cartoon, like curiosity is the virtue of all, like he said something that's just so beast and I wish I could remember what it was. But after that, he goes, Charles wants an update uh, and they want, he wants to know what's going on. So you can just tell that all those, all that world is going to be like, Hey, let's go see what's going on with this other world. And those two worlds are going to do the, do the mumbo. So the big question is, what does this mean? And of course, the obvious answer is Secret Wars. It's, we know it's coming. It's not really a big surprise. But what does but what does it mean from a movie perspective, and and also for an MCU perspective? What does that mean? Um, and what I think it means personally is you have the MCU world that was built from you know Avengers till now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the this new world has Beast, and obviously we can assume the X Men, and I think that world is also going to have the Fantastic Four. Ah, okay. And personally, the way I kind of see it is one of two things is going to happen: either they're going to go into the MCU world or the other way around, which is more likely to me, is that they're going to, like, the MCU world has kind of reached its legs, right? It's kind of run its pace, 
We've introduced the characters we need to introduce, but now we need to build up the second world. And and at this point, they have a they have all the opportunity they need, whether or not they want to continue and maybe have just two coexisting worlds, or you can now rebuild and make better choices in this new world and then eventually phase out the MCU world and then start completely fresh another way. But I don't know. I, it sounds to me like it, like at this point, like you could go just the middle round, middle route. Um, but what, what kind of makes me curious is at the same time, you, there is a, there is a third option, which is like, you can just test, you could test whatever you want. If a character works in one alternate reality, just bring them over. Mm-hmm. Right. Dr. Strange is a perfect example of that. You know, people love Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange in the other world. It was Benedict Cumberbatch and he died, but it's still the same guy. Right. Um, same with uh, the fan casting for uh, the black, black Bolt. They it didn't work out in the technically these, I guess, I guess the non MCU MCU in humans, yeah. um, but, uh, but they still brought him back. And so it's, it's, it's a smart move. In my opinion, it's going to work one of two ways is, is my one way where it's like, if one doesn't work, you can just, you can exhaust the MCU and bring over which characters you need for this new world and then continue on uh, in this new alternate world. Um, or you use this alternate world to test out characters that may or may not work. And then you bring them over to the MCU and then you carry them through. But one of two ways are going to happen um, because in secret wars, uh, the the two alternate worlds for a period of time recognize they exist and then galactus comes and then they sacrifice one of the planets and there's an explosion that ends up happening and it leads them into the the world of the secret wars but it's because dr doom did something in order for that to happen but he ends up controlling that world and so on and so forth so this is this is a big this is a big drop this is huge. So this is this is the exact thing that the MCU needs to get back on its feet and get some momentum uh, in terms of being in a saga with a, a villain that's driving and perpetuating um, to this Avengers Secret Wars. So now, in my opinion, this is no different than um, as I as I said so eloqu- eloquently in the theater is that. This is as good as when uh, Thor Dark World had the collector's end credit sequence where he says one down, five to go. This is that very same end credit sequence you need to kick off this saga and say, this is the multiverse saga, which is going to lead you to Secret Wars. And this is that one that's going to perpetuate that story. Yeah, it it spells it out more clearly than it ever has before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... A big part of that, even though it's just a little visual treat, is how the doors of that lab are the exact doors from the X-Men movies. Like those chrome X's. And and apparently we saw, we didn't notice, but we saw in the credits, they sampled music from X-Men 2 and from Days of Future Past. That's right. Yeah. So I have to, it's been so long since I've seen those movies. I I have to remember what that music is, but it apparently played there. So I think that is them pointing to that being like, hey, this is that world. And now those worlds are going to meet. And the beauty of all that, the multiverse of it all, of the testing the characters, is that it's fan service that both 
simultaneously serves the story and is served by the story. And that is so rare that it might as well be an infinity stone unto itself. So that's a weapon in Feige's belt. Use it, man. Use it. Just you're, you can't at this point. You can't do any wrong, and we're in for we're in for quite a ride. Um, so, because like now we finally have an end credit sequence that plays up to the story of, uh, like you said, it now plays up the story uh, to you know where this is going, and finally moving that, and in, in it, in it serves this wonderful purpose. So now we have Echo. Uh, what if an echo, uh, which technically what if is probably going to, the what if season two could have some big things that could perpetuate the MCU forward. Um, but the next big one is Deadpool after, after echo in January. That's the, we don't have another, a big Marvel movie for at least six months. Yeah. Cause Deadpool is definitely not making that May release date. They say it's still happening in the summer. If it is, it's going to be. August 31st. Um, So it's May 3rd currently slated. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not, uh, not with all the delays we've had. So next year is going to be a bit of a dry spell. We're going to get echo at the top and we're going to eventually get Deadpool. And then that's it. Cause uh, Captain America just got delayed till February, 2025. So we're, we're in for a dry spell, but the good thing of that is it's going to make us miss it more. And it's going to make its return feel very powerful, especially because now we live in this world where it's cool to be jaded about it and it's cool to hate on it and be like, Marvel's dying now, guys. So that little dry spell is going to help kind of wash some of that out of the well and just get people excited and happy again. Uh, Well, this movie already did that for me, but, you know, there's a lot of other people who are way too jaded still. So I think that's that's what we're going to look at in the near future. Mm-hmm. absolutely so we got some time but we also have thunderbolts too but i don't know how far thunderbolts have been delayed as well yeah and that's supposed to be after captain america too so who knows that's that's all and we'll, we'll be in our 40s by the time we see secret war but that's okay um do you want to rate the marvels now guess we'll have to uh To give you some context, uh, we both gave the first Captain Marvel movie four Infinity Stones. I'll give it five. Five stones. All right, let me find it. Because again, I'm still not sure. I'm not fully convinced of how much I like it. I do like it, but I'm not convinced of how much I like it. That's fair. I can understand that. A few more watches will help, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think maybe I'm riding a high, but I'm really impressed with what was going on there. I'm going to give it 5.5. It it impressed me a lot. The writing was clever. So much of it was creative. Um, It did a lot with very little, which is hard to do. It still does feel like a rushed movie. I would love if, you know, Peter Jackson came along and made a nice big long cut of this, but I am still, uh, I'm still very happy with what we got. And I think uh, like, in the end, I think what sums it up is I had a good time. I had a yes. really good time. I had a really good time, and it gives us, or at least it gives me, and I know you love this and Feige loves this, but it, it gives us what we love about Marvel, uh, which is all the interconnectivity of it all. Uh, so much so that I would say 
even though I don't think this is the best Marvel movie of this year, I think it's the best MCU movie of this year. I agree with that. I'm going to let you, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to let people marinate with that for a minute. Cause I agree with that. I agree with that. How I would phrase it. I think this is one of the best of the multiverse saga. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it stands tall with the infinity saga, some of the infinity saga movies, but in terms of the multiverse saga, my list is starting to form. Um, a little bit and i will say that uh i will say that first of all i i'd say song chi ranks pretty i think i think song chi is number one for me um i think i'm really i really need to wow. kind of i need to look at the list overall again just to be sure but for right now song chi's like number one for me but dr strange and multiverse of madness is definitely number two and i would say this is is pretty close to being number three the movies movies though Wow, so all of those trumped uh, Spider-Man for you, huh? Oh, I see that. I knew I was forgetting one. Spider-Man's <laughs> number one. Okay. <laughs> Spider-Man number one, Sanchi number two. I knew I was forgetting one because I was trying to remember where the difference is. But yeah, mm -hmm. Spider-Man number one, uh, Sanchi number two, uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse number three, and the Marvels number four. Cool. I like that. I can get behind that. Yeah, this this was a, a pleasant surprise, a, a really fun movie. Um, we'll wrap up with a never tell me the odds, Ryan. Okay. Or, um, the odds of what are the odds that the Bengals and Shang-Chi's Ten Rings are part of the same set of armor? You know what? I thought about that myself. That thought did cross my mind because I'm like, the bangles are like the wrist plates, but the 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 rings could be a part of like the sleeves. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, but to to who would need it? Yeah. To what end? It, it's it's crazy, but I mean, did they come from the same spot? We still don't know where either of them came from. The only thing, and it's such it's so out of left field. And and to be fair, though, I haven't seen Loki yet, um, so I haven't seen the last episode of Loki. Sam. that came out today um so i don't know what happened there uh but one theory that could work is what if these are pieces to assemble kang Ooh. interesting okay the only reason why i think that is because the the 10 rings um the 10 rings are and I'm, I'm talking like a kind of like a really cool because like again like my theory is is that i've noticed that so far there hasn't been a definitive kang the conqueror from the ant-man movie kang says when kang when um uh janet says who's kang he says he responds with who i who i'm supposed to be he doesn't right. say who that's who he is it says who he's supposed to be or no who i need to be sorry who i need to be mm -hmm. but he doesn't say that's who he is it's just who he needs to be um and then i know at the end credits though that mortis says that the conqueror is dead but again that doesn't mean that kang the, the conqueror is dead it's just you know a title it's a title right yeah um and then victor timely 
uh, is following instructions that seem like they're building, like he's trying to pursue becoming somebody. So, and Miss Minutes is trying to set him up in a way to become somebody. So, so what if these pieces, um, because and the only reason why I'm basing it is that in the 10 rings, they said that this technology is very old. So I don't know. My guess is, is that my guess is what if based on, first of all, it's a lot of purple powers. So Kang's mm-hmm. a purple power using guy. Um, two, uh, ancient technology that's been on Earth. I mean, Immortus has been around a long time. So on Earth, you know, as well as uh, Victor Timely. So that's one, another clue. And the final, the final clue I have here is, is that um, they mentioned that in the Ten Rings, there's a beacon coming out of it. Yes. So maybe Kang is still out there somewhere. And that finding these pieces will eventually open a portal to bring him back. So you think the odds of them being connected in some way are high? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because the I Bengals th- seem very old as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll call them Bengals. Um, and they're extremely powerful, which the only, the greatest power thus far in the multiverse that changed all the rules was the the TVA's power. And what is the hit song by the band The Bangles? Walk like an Egyptian, Rama Tut. Hey oh um, yeah. <laughs> I I think the odds of them being connected are also very high. I'm gonna say there's sixty-four percent chance that they're part of the same thing. I'm gonna go crazy though, and I'm gonna say they're not to do with King. I'm gonna say that however many pieces there are to this thing, um, when you put them together, I'm gonna guess you make the ultimate nullifier and that they have to do with Galactus. When I saw the 10, the 10 rings egg credits happened, that was my always my first thought. I'm like, it's clearly, it's a beacon calling Galactus, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's not enough to support it. Yeah, this is, I don't have a leg to stand on. I'm just speaking out of my butt because I want to see Galactus. But these are important things to be sure that we're going to see in the future. And hopefully, if Marvel makes good on all its promises, we're also going to see the Young Avengers and the X-Men. And we'll see the musical planet again if, if I get my wish because I want to go back there. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, where can the people find you when you're not watching the movies? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram right now. I, I Again, every time we have this conversation, I'm like getting closer and closer, just shutting down my X account at this point. It's just... Your what account? The Twitter account. Ah, there we go. <laughs> um, but uh, you can find me on Instagram, but you can at uh, Ryan J. Whitehead. You can also find me on YouTube at Expert Zone. That's my work site that I do a lot of cool Microsoft videos for. Um, and you can find me here with uh, Digital Charcuterie or potentially the Rebel Scum Podcast. One or the other, but it's there. Yeah, you got it. You can find me in most of all those places as well at Andrew Fantasia. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me on Amazon, or namely, you can find my books on Amazon. They're fantasy books. Did you know that, Ryan? Did you know there's wizards in my books that I wrote? I I, I do know that. Um, also, I noticed you have the Infinity Colors on your Wizards title there. I do, oh, I have the rainbow, yeah, uh, because every wizard is a different color, and the boss is always all the colors of the rainbow. Um, 
and there are spoilers. There's a group of witches, and they have the exact same thing going on. Uh, but this is We Were Wizards, and it's the first book in my fantasy novel series. There are more. There's another one. Whoa. And you can get those on Amazon right now uh, in whatever format you choose, except audiobook, because I don't have that yet, but maybe one day. Um, any last words on the Marvels before we sign off? Um, it's a fun ride. And I think, I think if you want to kind of get a refreshing, get back to a refreshing pace of the MCU, it's worth a watch. Um, mm -hmm. and I think it merits a worth of, it merits a watch. So you need to go out and see it. It's a fun ride. And man, those end credit sequences are, even me explaining it, you'll still get the joy. It, it's, it's, yeah. it doesn't, still doesn't quite capture what I saw there. But like I said, like for me, it was a lot like seeing Thor uh, Dark World in the sense that once I hit that end credit sequence, I was just like, I'm so glad you got to be there for that. Yeah, yeah. Man, we, we finally had a really cool, like a really fun surprise end credit sequence that was like huge. So it was. And even though I was spoiled ahead of time, it still made my heart grow. Yeah. to see my boy Hank McCoy there again. And the beauty of it is that even though we always love the, the credit sequences, the beauty of it is the movie is what matters at the end of the day, and they made a really good, solid movie. So, they made a fun movie. Yeah. Fun movie. I'm very happy with how the Marvels turned out, and I can't wait for whatever's next, which is Loki. I'm going to go watch that now once I'm done editing this. And then uh, we have a dry year ahead of us, but that's okay. We'll still have fun stuff to do. Uh, in the meantime, though, we will see you all next time on Infinity Rewatch. Thank you so much for listening. Please have a higher, further, faster, more marvelous times three day. A Professor Marvelous Day. <laughs>